everybody, it's Suzanne A. Wells, and this is episode number 32 of eBay the Right Way. Today's date is October 27th, 2021. And today's eBay chat is with Sarah, who is a stay-at-home mom of two kids, ages five and six, I think she said. Well, they're 18 months apart, so that in itself is a full-time job. (laughs) But she's only been selling on eBay for a year, and she is just killing it. And I don't normally say that because it feels like hype, but she really is killing it and doing well. Let's get into the conversation with Sarah. We have another seller success story with Sarah today. Hello. And Sarah is just going to start off telling us where she is and how she got started with eBay. Hey, everybody. Um, uh, My name is Sarah. I'm located in Indiana, about 40 minutes away from Chicago. And I, I believe I'm almost on my year mark of being on eBay. Um, but my mom and her best friend, uh, have been doing it for over 10 years, I think. And Julie would not sell anything for me. So I'm like, (laughs) fine, I'll give it a try. (laughs) And I did. And I were a year in and I'm almost up to 500 listings and I absolutely love it. So you are related to Julie, the dumpster diving grandma. (laughs) <laughs> dumpster diving. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So she was on the podcast a couple weeks ago and her episode got a lot of views. I mean, uh, listens because of that title, but she, she's proud that she's a dumpster diver. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't think that that's not my Julie, Ju- uh, Julie Gambino. Yeah, that's what she said. Is she is the marketing director for the assisted living company? Oh, yeah, I and didn't she, know she of the dumpster diving. <laughs> yeah, she was talking about how she goes behind the facilities and looks to see what's been thrown out for move outs or whatever. So yeah, that started. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so she's not. I don't think she's one of those that just goes to the dumpster yeah. and climbs in she she just kind of gets what's on top and what she can no, see how they started and I completely it's been so long completely forgot about that <laughs> well you have two little kids and that might be why because they suck out your brain power uh yeah pretty much and my tea is still too hot to drink <laughs> so <laughs> okay so you're more of a stay-at-home mom Stella. yeah yeah, I um thinking about getting back into work after being out for six years is just kind of like terrifying. And I was gonna wait until my second got into kindergarten next year and then look for a full-time job. And then I started this and now I'm like, okay, if I can do this full time by the time he's in kindergarten, then I don't need to go get a job. <laughs> Absolutely. What yeah. is your your background as far as a real job history. Oh, um, I don't think I've ever had a big, big girl job. (laughs) I've been, um, in the restaurant industry, a bartender and a server, um, pretty much until I had my first baby almost six years ago, I left as a manager. Um, I went back for a month and then realized, uh, it would just be better if I just stayed home. And then Absolutely. And I can totally relate to that fear of getting back out in the workforce because when I had my first child, I was going to be the career mom and do it all and full-time job and daycare and all of that. And then she came and I was miserable. I didn't like leaving her at daycare and it was just, I wanted to be with her all day and I never thought that would happen. So I was 
a stay-at-home mom from 94 to 2003 and then got a divorce and lost my part-time job all at the same time and was looking for another job, a a full-time job, and just felt very inadequate because everything changes so much. Mm-hmm. As far as technology and every corporate structure and everything changes and you try to re-enter the workforce and you feel lost and you feel inadequate. So that's when eBay magically happened for me. It just kind of came together. I started selling things to pay the bills and I realized I was pretty good at it and it provided enough income. So I just kept doing it on purpose full time and that's why I started all these things for stay-at-home moms was because it was like, why don't we all unite and support each other and do it together? Because this is so much better than being chained to a corporate job. You have flexibility. You can be with your kids when you want to and be at home in the afternoons and everything. So I totally support your decision <laughs> to keep doing this because it works. Yes. It, it, I mean, it's, it really does. It's great. Sometimes I feel like I'm working all day cause I'm really bad at scheduling myself, but I'm working all day at home with my kids at home and they're starting to help me. It's so cute. They'll take some pictures and, um, bag stuff up for me. It's adorable. So I can't wait to get them into the garage sale season next year. See oh, if they yes. can. <laughs> it's good to help them understand what to look for, because the more eyes you have out there helping you to find things, the better. (laughs) So what did you start off selling when you first got started with eBay? Um, oh, that's funny. I, I, uh, I had a bottle of perfume that I never opened from Christmas and my husband had a bunch of watches, which I believe are either still listed or I got them off and I'm just going to lot them together and they're in a death pile somewhere. But that was my first group of listings. And then I, oh, my Orange Theory watch, because COVID happened, I stopped going to Orange Theory. So I sold my watch and then um, I just went from there. And I remember uh, the first estate sale when I got home because my husband has seen my mom and Julie's like basement, their treasures. And he's like, you're, we don't have room for all this stuff. I'm like, don't worry about it. It's just going to be like part-time. Like I'm not going to get like that. Now I've taken over my oldest son's room (laughs) and the boys share room now. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I think I'm on almost 500 listings and I'm looking at three piles of stuff that needs to be steamed, washed and cleaned. <laughs> and, I'm um, going back out on Saturday cause it's Goodwill's half price day. Oh, excellent. And <laughs> I, I see you posting on the regular money-making Mondays, the hundred dollar one, you sell all kinds of things. Oh yeah. I don't have a niche. I just, I pick whatever I'm going to do in the store, like wherever I'm going to focus my attention. And then I just do that. And if I have time, then I'll scatter off, but I have pretty much a bit of everything and clothes are really easy to store. Uh, so I've, and the bins are really awesome. That's why I started doing a little more clothes now. Oh, so you do go to the Goodwill bins. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Talk about your experience with that, because some people are just addicted to it, but the videos I've seen on YouTube, it seems very rough. Is yours like that? Yeah. Um, there's like this group of five people that are always there. I see the same people all the time, but they're like younger kids, like looking for like vintage t-shirts and I don't know what they're looking for, but whenever they pull out new bins, I'm not even a part of it. I don't that's not my style. I just like to stand in the corner and look through everything. But the first time I went, what got me hooked was I found almost 20 cashmere pieces. Oh, my favorite. (laughs) Pulling them out, pulling them out. And, um, I have a pile going of stuff with flaws for like a cutters 
listing or whatever, but I think over, I think 10 to 12 of them were perfect pieces and I've sold six of them so far. And so after that, I kind of just, I go once a week or once every other week, Mm -hmm. um, get a lot of stuff and it takes me a while to list. Sometimes it's busy at my house. Sometimes it's not. So, but yeah, I, I, I love it. It's addicting. What are you going to find next? (laughs) <laughs> That's the life of a mom is, is you just don't know what your day is going to be like. So you always want to have things on hand to do. I remember making sure I had kind of a death pile because you never know when a kid's going to be sick and you're mm-hmm. stuck at home and they, they're not at school or your day is different. And while they're sleeping or resting, you can be working on your stuff. And if you don't have anything to work on, then that's just lost time. Yeah, for sure. And that's when I do most of my like work is when they go to sleep. And luckily they're in bed by 7.30 or eight o'clock. And then I'm up until probably 10.30, almost 11 working. And then I give myself a half hour and then I go to bed and I do it all over again. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way you have to manage your time. And sounds like you're doing a great job. Um, You mentioned cashmere cutters, and just for listeners who don't know what that is, you can sell damaged cashmere, whether it has holes or rips or any issues, you can sell those as a lot for crafters. They cut them apart and make all kinds of baby clothes and scarves and new sweaters, and some people actually unravel it and make a ball of cashmere yarn and re- knit or crochet it and make other things out of it. So there is a market for repurposing, recycling cashmere. And I have, I always have a pile going because sometimes you get home and you didn't see something or it's a good enough sweater to where maybe the, the rip or whatever's on the seam and you can fix it and it doesn't show, or if it's thick cable knit, you can fix it and it doesn't show, but sometimes it's just a lost cause and it has to go in that pile. <laughs> yeah. And I think most of my pile, it's the very tiniest hole. So like, I'm even going to market it as wearable or like a cutter just to get more keywords in that title. Do you but, ever, do you ever mend them? Are you, a? Or do you no, do sewing? <laughs> no, but I did just get little like individual sewing kits where the needle is already threaded with ah. different from my mom. So, um, I plan on starting to try just cause like some buttons are loose on some things. And so I, I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> well, and you can just check YouTube and teach yourself. There's, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, your, your generation does that. And speaking of sewing on buttons, I bought this beautiful men's camel hair top coat the other day. It was it was $10. I have a hundred on it, so we'll see what happens there. But the inside button that doesn't show but secures one side over was missing. And I was like, oh, I didn't have a button that size. So I went and found one of my old coats. That had the extra button sewn inside. And I'm just, I'm not going to use this. So I cut that off and mended the other one. And, you know, I had it on my list to go to Michael's or Walmart and get a button. And it was going to be this whole process. And I was thinking, there's got to be a button I can use somewhere around here. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I found one and made that happen. But if you um, redo a button like that, do you disclose that information? Not usually, because okay. if it looks the same and it looks fine, there's really no reason to say that right. you, that you mended it or it just ha- it depends on how it looks when you're finished. If it's obviously a not great mending job, which I'm not a seamstress, but I can do the basic stuff. So mm-hmm. if it's a seam that's come apart or just a, a hem that needs to be tacked back up or a button missing and the garment has the extra button on it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times on shirts and jackets, they'll have those extra buttons sewn into it down near the hem. So if it doesn't look like it's been mended, there's really no reason to mention it in my opinion. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. You can find anything on YouTube. That's how I've, how do I clean the shoes that I get? And I mean, everything it's ridiculous and helpful at the same time. (laughs) Magic erasers are an eBay seller's best friend. They are so amazing. And like, I'm trying to teach my boys to keep their shoes clean. And I mean, cause shoes are a lot of money. So like, just if you take care of them, then they'll last longer. So now I have them soaking the erasers and they clean the whites of their shoes. And I try to make it fun. It's not, but they still think it is. <laughs> well, and if you can make those boys clothes and shoes not wear out because boys are tough on their clothes and shoes. Those are great to resell because Mm -hmm. once they start growing really fast and they don't wear anything for very long, especially shoes that are expensive. Those are, I remember with my son, when he hit like nine, nine to 14, when they're just growing so fast and he'd grow out of a pair of really nice Nike shocks or something. And I would clean them up and sell them and make almost what I paid for them because that's what the moms are looking for on eBay. They don't want to pay full price for all this stuff. Yeah. I have a big lot of clothes and one of my death piles of just the boys clothes, like the, the good ones with no stains that I need to lot up and list too. Yeah. <laughs> right. that's, a, that's a great way to make money to buy the next size up. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. sell what they've, what they've outgrown. Um, so talk about some of your big sales and you're new at this. So this is impressive because you haven't been doing this very long, but yet you're selling things for a lot of money. Yeah. I, and I haven't posted on the over hundred yet, but I recently, I have, uh, I'm sorry, I sold a Danbury mint. This is my third Danbury mint. I, um, I believe. Yeah. As uh, football stadium, Illinois. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I have to, I don't, I don't know if I posted it yet, but I just sold that and I found it on the bottom shelf at Goodwill in the toy section. I think it was like nine 99. Um, and then, uh, one of my favorite sweaters, cashmere sweaters that I got from the bins, um, had these old like wooden, uh, buttons is Jaeger. I, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that was $69.99 and that was fun. And so at the bins, what kind of price do you allocate towards the items you get from there? As far as like how much they are a piece? Yeah. Um, I kind of try to base it out on how many items I got and what I paid. And then I just will divide it all. I started out with that aspect Um, And then now I just go by weight. So usually I get so many clothes. Each item is no more than $2 Mm -hmm. per Mm -hmm. item. Um, And just looking at all my closet. (laughs) So the sweater that you sold for 69 was probably an investment of $2. Yeah. If that, Um, and I have a, I started out, I had a Johnson brothers set um, plates and glasses and stuff. And, um, those did very well. I had a salt and pepper shaker almost sold for almost $40. Wow. Yeah. For a salt and pepper shaker. (laughs) What was it? Uh, it was a, by the Johnson, the Johnson brothers set. And I'm not sure it was just like a country scene on it. Um, I don't know. Every time I see Johnson Brothers, I look it up though, because I had such uh, good luck with it. Not all of it is good, but like the bigger stuff is worth looking up for sure. Okay. I hadn't heard of that. I'm, I need to look into that. My daughter just sold a Mary Inglebright. Do you know that brand? I've, I've, I remember the name, but I don't know what kind of stuff she it was is. Big in the maybe early 90s, late 80s. And it was sort of a cartoonish looking girl. And there was a lot of stuff with cherries on it. And there were hard goods, dishes and calendars and stuff you'd get at the Hallmark store. I remember it was in the Hallmark store, which I don't know if anybody goes there anymore. Uh, Desk accessories, stationery, paper stuff. Anyway, she found some 
salt and pepper shakers that were in the shape of these sun hats with a ribbon around it. Very unusual looking. And I think they sold for about $40. Nice. So the more <laughs> unusual, of course, the more it's going to sell for. But I don't know Johnson Brothers. And now I'm going to have to go look that up, see okay. what it is. <laughs> is great. Um, I think right now all I have left from my set are a couple like saucer plates and um, the teacups, which don't seem to go uh, really as fast as I thought they would, but I plan on repurposing them. My family, my husband's family does something called homemades around Christmas time where you make all the girls make however many girls there are, they make homemade gifts and then the boys do the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to re- them for uh, succulent planters. Oh, cute. That's one of the things that I'm just falling in love with, with reselling is the whole recycling aspect of it. I just, I mean, I saved a pair of Converse shoes from the bins and I did the OxyClean and the Magic Eraser and it really only took me like five minutes, but they're not going to a landfill. I sold them in two days for like $24, which isn't a big profit, but I, I, just feel good recycling all this stuff is just giving it a new home. And I love to hear that from your generation. What year were you born? 87. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I love to hear that your generation is so earth friendly because that's one of the parts of eBay. I love too, is just rehoming things. Just knowing that you found this thing Maybe on the floor at Goodwill, it fell off the hanger. I found the best stuff that way. <laughs> Look on the floor. <laughs> Some of the heavier stuff just falls off the hangers. And you rescued it and maybe fixed it up, cleaned it, and then rehomed it. And somebody loves it and it didn't go in the landfill. And with, especially with all this fast fashion that's just taking over the world. Have you seen these pictures of? all the clothes, this gigantic piles of this fast fashion that goes to other countries. It's just mountains and mountains of clothes. And that just has to stop. It's just horrible for the environment. The consumerism and materialism of this world these days is just, it's overwhelming. (laughs) It is. It's sickening. So all these small stores and Walmart clothes and all that kind of stuff. It's considered fast fashion. It's only, it's only going to last a short time. And I was reading an article where they're talking about the fashion industry and there used to be four seasons for fashion. Now it's just every week is a season because they have new stuff that they're putting out. But I'm saying all that I'm getting to the point (laughs) is you focus on vintage clothing such as Ralph Lauren and L.L. Bean and older Levi's, even older Gap denim jackets and things like that. I don't really do jeans, but because they're made better and they are durable and people know that and they're going to last and they wear the stuff outside doing rough jobs. I love that you're on board with that. Yeah, it's just a better quality of clothes too. And I love the fact that the oversized like grandpa sweaters. That's what I'm like selling a lot of right now. Um, I love that they're in style because there are so many vintage sweaters out there. I I have two in my closet and I uh, sold an O'Malley Irish sweater that I got at the bins first. That one was definitely $69.99. And I got a message. um, Hey, if you find any more, please let me know. These sweaters are great. And I love that because I mean, I find old men's old man sweaters all the time. <laughs> Are you doing any of the classic Izod acrylic with or the um, what's the brand I'm thinking with the alligator? Lacoste. Yes, yes. With I the have, alligator. I have not the only Lacoste item I found, which is recently, um, and I put on auction, only sold for four dollars. It was a, um, a scarf the green ribbed thick scarf uh, with the little alligator on it. But yeah, no, I haven't seen any Lacoste, just a lot of, a lot of vintage 
stuff that I've never even heard of and a lot of Ralph Lauren. I have a lot of Ralph Lauren, so I'm trying to be a little pickier when it comes to picking them up. But I know a new word that everybody's using is shacket, which is like a shirt and a jacket in between oh, a shirt. Okay, that's clever. Yeah, so I have the word shacket in my listings for I have a couple of Ralph Lauren pieces that are heavier than a shirt, but not a jacket. And they zip I have up. some of those too. I'm going to go change my listings when we're done with this chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I just sold two of them. I have three more left. Excellent. Good for you. Yeah. What do you look for in a grandpa sweater? Uh, a good Coogee style print or even like the Irish uh, what are they, the fisherman style, the cable net print. Um, I recently sold two or three of those that I got from the bins and uh, just something with a pattern on it and something that even because women are buying them to do the front tuck in their jeans and that oversized look. Um, mm. So any print that I find that just stands out, I'll grab it. Okay. That is, I knew about the grandpa sweaters for a few years, but it changes. Mm -hmm. And cable knit has been one of my go-tos forever. Those fisherman sweaters, just because they're heavy and thick and they're oversized and they're durable. And a lot of them go back to the United Kingdom where they were made. Mm -hmm. I love the handmade stuff. I have uh, handmade stuff from Ireland. I love those. And, and it reselling has upped my wardrobe because every time I find something, I'm like, oh, that's cute. Who cares if it's used? Cause that's what I like doing. <laughs> Do you ship internationally? Yes. I, I recently, um, just started doing the global shipping. And where have you shipped to? Can you remember? Um, Japan and there was uh, one other one. Somebody just bought a Ralph Lauren polo and I think it was going to France. Hmm. That's in my head. But they paid, I mean, they paid like $60 in shipping just to get it over to them. It was, that's crazy to me. Well, just, I don't know if you know this, the eBay Standard International is cheaper. It's still under that umbrella where eBay covers you if there's a problem, but you can do that for items under four pounds. Oh, okay. So it makes the shipping cheaper for the customer mm. and there's really no risk to you. You can always buy extra insurance, but eBay covers you up to $100. I've had to file two claims under the eBay Standard International and this was all during COVID when everything was so crazy and packages weren't showing up. And I got my money back the next day. Oh, so wow. If you might want to go through your listings and see for things that are under four pounds, you mm. can also include, you could have both on, on your listing if you want, but making it cheaper for the buyer is going to help you get more sales because that global shipping, all of that's priority. Right. So that's going to be more expensive. But the eBay Standard International is their version of first class international, which is cheaper and under four pounds. Oh, thank you. I'm going to have to go through that. I didn't know. I thought it was just the GSP and that's it. Right. It is confusing because that eBay Standard International was launched last year in 2020. And mm -hmm. at first, it, as all new things are, it it had some hiccups and it had to become smooth. They had to work the bugs out. So I used to preach first class international, like don't use the global shipping program. It's too expensive. But now mm -hmm. there's this option, which is eBay's version of first class international. So it oh, can save your buyers a lot of money. I ship using that two or three times a week. Meaning mm -hmm. I, I get the international sales and that's what I use. And like I said, I've only had to file two claims and they were covered. So I highly oh, recommend I, that. 
Now, now would be the time. This is being recorded on October 14th. So here we are <laughs> in fourth quarter where yeah. shopping mania, we hope, <laughs> all over the world. So maybe that will increase your sales even more. Yeah, no, this is a perfect time to switch all of it. And even I have a bunch of listings that I need to add specifics to. And that's what I was going to do tonight. So I'll just do that, add that in with my to-do list. <laughs> that is getting so ridiculous, especially if you're a clothing seller, all those options, it just takes forever to get your listing done. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit tedious. I'm not going to lie, but I mean, I guess it's work. <laughs> got to do it. It keeps people from selling clothing. And mm-hmm. maybe that's a good thing for those of us that do because our competitors are dropping like flies because a lot of them just don't have time to do a listing that way. And so you pick other items like I am working on plush right now and learning mm-hmm. a lot about that category. And there's just not as many boxes to check. You don't have to think. I sell a lot of bras and there are so many choices for the the size and the cup size and all that stuff. I have to like proofread my listing two or three mm-hmm. times because sometimes it pre-fills the wrong thing. So you have to be really yeah. careful that you're choosing the right thing because that's what shows up on the sort filter for the buyer. They're choosing color and size and brand and all those options. So if your item specifics are wrong or blank, you don't show up in these filters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little tedious, but if you just stay up on it, then... I don't know. I guess, like I said, it's just, it's work. That <laughs> Well, I'm never going to quit selling clothing. I've just been doing this forever and noticed they just keep adding more and more and it's getting so tedious. And is this going to force more sellers to not sell clothing because they just don't want to deal with it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. It's, with my small space, I just like clothes because I bag them up, fold them, and they go in a big bin. I love the hard goods too, but uh, clothes are definitely easy storage wise. Absolutely, yes. That's <laughs> it can it can be compacted into a small space, and it's not going to expire. It's not going to break when you ship it. All those reasons. Yeah, and well, like you said, more more room for us to sell things if people aren't good. <laughs> there, there's definitely a division among sellers about clothing. Most people either love it or they hate it. There's really no in between. <laughs> yeah. Julie hates it. She hates doing the measurements and, um, but she's seen my fast clothing sales. So now she's starting to peek over into it. Right. Exactly. So I was chatting with her about that and I said, I thought I remembered you selling some cool vintage clothing items. And she said, no, must have been a different Julie. And I said, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of Julies (laughs) that post on the group. So after a while, they run together. (laughs) Oh, no, she went to a really good estate sale. And I forget where I was. Oh, it was on Father's Day. But she went and she found a whole bunch of vintage. And I was was very jealous. (laughs) All right. So... Let me ask you, what has been your best sale so far? Was it that football stadium? Um, no, it was, a, I believe it was a Pendleton blanket. That mm. was a $200 sale. 200 Yeah. And I did end up just because I left it outside in the sun, but being packaged up, it had that mothball smell to it when it got uh. to the and I felt horrible, but he loved the blanket. It was beautiful. It's hanging in his house um, right now. But uh, so he had to like go to his dry cleaners and they suggested he left it outside. And he was so nice about it, which is so hard to come by. So I ended up refunding $25 just for the trouble. Um, and he appreciated that. But yeah, if I find a, if a, a good buyer is not upset and yelling at me or being mean to me, then yeah, I have had no problem refunding him, but I believe that was my highest sale so far. And I see all these people with um, high sales and electronics and I get so jealous. I, I'm so apprehensive to that. I have a 
three in my death pile right now <laughs> that I need to test. Um, but they get some really high sales. Yeah, so that's that's an area I have stayed away from too. I sold yeah. a few things years ago and it just seemed like there was always a problem. They would say something didn't work and I didn't know enough about it to know if that was true or not as far as components of things. I mm-hmm. sold an electric blanket one time and it was a vintage one. So those get really hot. They changed the criteria on electric blankets because they were burning people as far as disabled people who couldn't get out from under it and things like Mm -hmm. that. They got too hot. So this was a vintage one and I tested it and it worked. And then the the person got it and they said it didn't work and they didn't want to send it back and all this stuff. And I think they just didn't have the electronic part hooked up right. Like they didn't push it in far enough or something because it, it worked for me. And I thought, you know, if I get an item not as described on an electric blanket, that's really not even an electronic. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just, it's not a, a niche that excites me. Some people that post like Casey and Brian and, and all these guys that post these electronics, I don't know what a lot of these things even are. <laughs> <laughs> electronics are different. Mm-hmm. Olivia talked about that in her podcast. She sells small electronics and coffee pots and things. And that seems more doable for people who want to start off. But I'm like you, it is an intimidating niche if you don't know a lot about these items. Yeah. And I, I will look and if I find like, I'm hoping to find like a space maker one day and I look for stuff like that. But when it comes to anything that I don't know about, I just... I walk away instead. <laughs> yeah, it's baby steps. You can't learn everything yeah. at once and you can't experiment with everything at once because you would just, your house would look like a thrift store, it would have everything in it. Yeah, pretty much. My mom still can't believe that I'm, I have taken off the way that I have. I don't know why, but the now I, at first I was just like, how do you learn all this stuff? And uh, what would I even sell? But I just threw myself into it. And now I'm not even a year later. And I'm now I'm working on getting the higher sales point that you always talk about in your videos, like each the higher earnings point. That's now what I'm working on because I have enough in my store to focus on the higher priced goods. Right. And you just scale it back a little bit at a time. And you look at things, well, you've only been doing this a year. So maybe you've had something in the future. You've had it two years and you haven't gotten any offers. You haven't sent any offers. You paid a dollar for it and it's just no interest. And you think, well, okay, I wouldn't buy that again now based on what I know. So everybody's business evolves that way. The more you do it, the smarter you get. Mm -hmm. But it, it constantly changes. What's popular constantly changes like squishmallows. Those are a huge thing now. And and when they came out four or five years ago, they were okay. But now it's just this craze that people will pay such insane prices. It's, it's amazing. I personally, I've never found one. I don't think that was actually worth picking up, but I remember on Instagram, Lady Gaga posted something with like a bunch of them. I'm just like trying to put that to memory. What was in her Instagram post? Cause I'm pretty sure those are going to be worth something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Hey, it's insane. But if you're going to pay for it, then I'll buy it <laughs> and sell Absolutely. it too. Yeah. It, and it changes. So that's what people have to realize when they're getting into this is what's, what's popular now. What do people want And what I try to focus on in my courses and the material I put out there, the content, are things that have been high profit ever since I started, which was Mm -hmm. 2003. So some of these things will be high profit forever, like the LL Bean 100% Wool, Fisherman Sweater, the, you know, ivory color, that is mm-hmm. a classic 
clothing item that is never going to go out of style. And 10, 20, 50 years from now, people are still going to be wearing that because they've been wearing it that long. So it's the yeah. the fad stuff and the hype stuff that, mm-hmm. yeah, you can get in on it and make some money, but it's going to fizzle out. I yeah. mean, these Starbucks cups are not even the mugs anymore. It's these decorative cups with the, what do you call it? The bumps on the outside, those tumblers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Special edition, limited edition things. Just is, is that a craze? Are they always going to be worth that much? We don't know. Right. <laughs> I got a couple, I have a couple of Starbucks mugs, but I just use them now because I like them. <laughs> I was using one as a planter for about four years because nobody wanted it. it I had it in my store, didn't get any interest. And I was going through this plant phase where I (laughs) I was learning about house plants and I kept splitting them and making more and more. And I started using coffee mugs because they're fun and why not? And hanging them in the macrame hangers everywhere. And I kind of cleaned that out when I moved last year. I didn't want to move all those plants. (laughs) Yeah. I had this, it's just a basic white Starbucks mug with 1971 on it. And now it's worth money again. So I put it back in my eBay store after having it all these years just sitting there. And Crocs are back. Mm, Yes, I have a pair of sandals I need to clean off. (laughs) (laughs) So it changes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Back to your Pendleton blanket. What did it look like? Oh, my gosh. It was beautiful. It was like a turquoise color with a blues and reds, um, Aztec design on it, um, on both sides. And it was definitely an older one. I set it outside in the sun cause it was really mothy smelling. And I took a picture to send to my mom of how beautiful it was. And I ended up using that picture in the sunlight, just on my porch, um, as my cover, as my cover picture, cause the color was amazing. It was too heavy for me. I don't like really thick blankets or else I would have kept it because it was beautiful. And you found it at the bins and paid a couple of dollars. I found that one at an estate sale. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was $15. And at that same sale, I found that planter bathtub, uh, Charlie Brown planter. And that sat in my death pile until I looked it up finally and it was $50 and that sold within a week or two. And wow. I had another at a state sale, but I don't remember what it was. It's all starting yeah. to blur. <laughs> you have a good eye. That's what everybody, that's what my mom keeps saying. So I'm just going to run with it. And I love blankets. I have so many blankets. I went to package one away and like right on my skew where it was. And I realized that it was another blanket. I have two of the same waffle weave satin trim blankets. And so I just listed that one the other day, but I don't know where the other one's at. I think it's upstairs somewhere. Are they the baby Morgan? No, I have not found one of those yet. No, I look every time. (laughs) I have not found one yet. We will. (laughs) That's on my list. A Coogee sweater. I really wanted to find one this summer and I didn't. Yard sale two of them this month. Where did you I, find I found them both at the same Goodwill, which is one I don't really put high on my list for finding great things. Mm-hmm. I was shocked I found those in there. And they were both six dollars. I sold one for two hundred and one for 175. And yep. they sold to two different people two days apart. And I said, yes, finally. And <laughs> now I'm on the, the upswing of this higher profit item thing, because I have been so picky over the last six months of what I'm putting in my store, because eventually everything in there is going to be higher profit. All of mm-hmm. those. Well, I do have some items for 25, 20 bras. They sell so well and they're so easy and small. You need some things like that, but Mm -hmm. it's it's finally starting to transition now. And it's, it's catching up to where more of my inventory is higher profit 
meaning $30 or above that yeah. you know, I might've paid, which is why I'm loving the plush is because they're usually a dollar and they, they can sell for 50 and over. I shipped something last week. It was a vintage kindergarten. It was a little cute teddy bear. It was mm-hmm. very plain, but the tush tag had the date on it and made in Hong Kong. Yeah, so it was obviously vintage. So it was a dollar and it sold for 50. Mm-hmm. So easy to ship. Doesn't, doesn't break. It's vintage. So it's only going to become more valuable. Maybe that person's going to sell it for a hundred two years from now. I don't know, but that's what, where I'm headed. So anyway, back to your question about the sweaters, I was shocked that they sold right about the same time. I'd only had them listed about a month Mm -hmm. and I'm going back to that store a lot more often now because they could have been hanging in somebody's closet. They were the same size. So I'm thinking they came from the same person Mm -hmm. and they were right together on the rack and they had the, the same date they were put out. So they came in at the same time, but yeah. um, I was shocked that I found them. I was shocked that they sold so quickly and for so much. And so and you it was nice. a year and, and you're just finding all this great stuff already. <laughs> oh yeah. I, the, I found a plush um, by the brand Eden. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had it listed at 120. And it only took a week, and I believe I sold it over overseas for ninety nine ninety nine, and that was the first thing I found. And Julia was with me. We went to good our favorite Goodwill, and she's in the shoes, which is very weird. Um, and I walk over, and I'm just like, dee, 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 "Look what I found! Doesn't it look old? It was in perfect condition." Uh, that was a fun sale. What was it? What character? Oh, I think it was just a bear with a corduroy, not an outfit because outfit didn't come off, but like a corduroy overall type of thing. And I mean, it was flawless. I could, I picked it up and I just knew right away that it was old. I didn't know it was valuable, but I knew it was older. Um, mm-hmm. cause like that, it was just well-made. Oh, I think it was like from the eighties and it was still in perfect condition. Great. Yeah, there's yeah. Um, that Eden brand is great. I I found Pat the bunny a couple of weeks ago that goes with the book, and he's mm-hmm. just a little white bunny with um, a tie around his neck. And I just picked it up. It was a dollar. Didn't even look it up. Got it home, and in my light in my home, it's like, oh, he is dirty. So put him <laughs> in a pillowcase. Put him in the washing machine with some OxyClean. He came out brand spanking new, pristine white. I have 29 on him because he's smaller, but Mm. that OxyClean, that with the magic erasers is, they're just miracle products. (laughs) That's how I, you are how I learned how to clean my plush in the pillowcase. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it doesn't have anything mechanical in it or that would Mm. come off, just put it in a pillowcase. Or if it's super vintage and it might disintegrate in the washing machine. Yeah. And it's a great tool. I mean, so easy and it helps. And I found uh, another plush was a a dino snore. Um, Never heard of it. It still had its tag on. And I found that at the bins. But when you like moved it upside down, it would make a noise like a dino snoring. And that sold for $69.99. It was from wow. 1987. 1987? Yeah. So the same year that you were born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, at the bins with its yeah. tag on. Do you but, think that some of these vintage plush from the 80s and 90s are the parents are buying them for their kids now? Or do you think it's more the parents are buying them for themselves just because they had it and they just want that nostalgia? I think it's, uh, I think they're definitely giving them to their kids. Like I, like you had this when you were a kid. So you want to see your, your little one playing with it and just like you did and all that stuff. So I, I, I at least I hope they're buying it for their kids. <laughs> 
well, there's you some. Were, you were a kid in the time of Barney and Baby Bob and all that. Yeah, all I remember plush wise are those doodle bears that you got to draw on and uh, water babies, which I don't think are worth anything. <laughs> okay. My kids had, they were big Barney watchers and Arthur and Rugrats and all those Nickelodeon shows. Mm -hmm. So we we had the books, uh, Clifford, Bear in the Big Blue House, and Blue's Clues. All that stuff seems to be Mm -hmm. making a comeback. Yeah, I, I put Rugrats on for my kids and they were just like, watching it. I didn't think they would like it. I have three Rugrats folders too, that I've listed. (laughs) Oh, and of course, SpongeBob, the original SpongeBob. Yeah. That was super annoying, but it was a thing of that time. Yeah. Not a fan of that show. (laughs) I know my son loved it. He had SpongeBob sheets and the plush and all that stuff. He was just, Mm -hmm. it was because of the humor. They were just if as an adult watching those, there's so much humor that's for adults that just goes right over the kids' heads. Yeah, <laughs> there is. Okay. Um, another question I ask my guests is, well, you've already talked about your highest selling item was that Pendleton blanket. What kind of advice would you give to somebody just starting or maybe thinking back to yourself when you started a year ago that you wish you had known that you've learned along the way so far? Um, well, it's got, I guess it depends on what kind of reseller you're going to be. Um, I want quick sales. I don't want stuff to sit for a year. Um, so focus on, find out what your focus is going to be. Um, mugs are not a good one. <laughs> I think that everybody goes, for you. Everybody goes through a mug phase. Well, they're just, they're sitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess just find your niche, find what you want to sell and do the research, um, research, 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 I guess is all I could say. How do you research? Um, I am guilty of watching a lot of YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> guilty. All the, yeah, my, my friend is trying has been talking about trying to do it and she lives in Colorado. I told her, I'm like, that's prime. You're in the prime area, get the outdoor stuff, find when your stores are having sales and the jackets are on sale and you just have to do your research. You can't go to a Goodwill and just buy a whole bunch of stuff and expect it to sell. Cause like you said, everything's changing. And if you're just starting out, you don't know how long it's going to sit. And I would always recommend not to take the big risks at first because if you, something doesn't sell and you only paid a dollar for it, it's way better than this lamp that I paid $30 for. And that's about what it's worth. It's <laughs> <laughs> holding up a, is that orange or red? It's a metal red. I believe it's toll T O L L E. Um, desk lamp. Yeah, gooseneck desk lamp that we all had in high school. <laughs> yeah, I did quick research and I like very quick. Um, and I saw one for like two hundred dollars that sold, and then I went and I bought this, and it's not. It's a, worth about what I paid for. So just if you're first starting out and you don't have a lot of money, don't make the big risks like this until you're ready to sit on something or. You know, you know, I, what I never hear from sellers is that I can't find anything to sell. That's the easy part. And that's where you have to have those filters set up so that you don't come home with 800 things every time you go out. Yes, I was guilty of that. I I know um, my first three or four months I was outsourcing like every day and now I'm especially with the bins, I'm utilizing the bins. Um, I'm only sourcing like once or twice every other week because I know what I'm looking for. I, I know that I'm going to get a lot of stuff at a fill a bag or, um, the bins. And then, you know, I have a week to list it all and do it all over again. Right. 
And that's the hard part for a lot of people is the discipline of listing because Mm -hmm. I personally don't mind it. I create an environment where, okay, I'm going to sit down and list now. Sometimes I'm editing these podcasts while I'm listing, I'm listening to it. And then, oh, going over and editing something and, or put on a movie that I like and list on my laptop, things like that, where you have to create an environment that you want to be in to do the listing part because the treasure hunting is everybody's favorite. Oh yeah. (laughs) We're never going to run out of places to find items. So you really have to discipline yourself, but back to what you said about mugs sitting and things that don't sell. I do think there is something in the algorithm that learns what sells in your store because Cashmere sweaters for me, I sell one almost every day. I sell them all the time. Mm-hmm. And other people, like my daughter, they, they won't move in her store. And it's the same thing. We live close together. So we keep track of who's been to what store when. So, so that maybe she doesn't go to the same one I just went to yesterday. Mm-hmm. Make sure we go different places. But she says, mom, it really doesn't matter because we sell different things. You know, anthropology does not sell well for me. I don't know why. It's high quality items. Some are new with tags, but those take a long time. She sells a lot of free people and those sort of trendy brands for that age group. But Mm -hmm. I think there is something in the algorithm that learns what sells in your store. So a very important point that you made is to focus on what sells for you and do more Mm -hmm. of that. Look at what's working and do more of that. Always experimenting along the way. I wonder if this will work. I wonder if that'll work, but I've had stuff sit there for over a year without an offer. It's never in my send offer. And I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clothes is working out for me, clothing and shoes. And so that's kind of where I'm going right now with it. I'm always looking for fire and light, though. I always look in the hard goods. There are a couple things that I'm always looking for in the hard goods. But okay, as wait, far what as is that? I don't know about that. The fire and light, The re- it's recycled glass. Um, and I don't think it's in, I think it's out uh, west more people find it. Um, but Julie had a, found it one in Texas. So it's like votives. Um, there's more to it. I think there's goblets too, but it's signed on the bottom in a white marker and it, they go for, I mean, 60 and above for this okay. little. Yeah. So they're candle accessories. Yeah. Like votives. I know I've seen goblets and glassware, um, but it's a kind of a textured glass too. It's not smooth, but I'm always looking for it. <laughs> okay. That's great to know. So if you had to say one thing that's your specialty, what do you think that would be? I'm I'm going with clothes. Okay. Clothes. But you're very <laughs> specific on the clothes. Um, yes, uh, sweaters. I don't know. I just find a lot of the good sweaters, sweaters and jackets. Um, I have a Talbot's size eight full length red wool and cashmere jacket. Um, and I have to spot treat one spot and then it'll be listed. But as far as that goes, definitely clothing and outerwear. Red, I have found in clothing is a great color to sell because so many holidays have red. You've got Valentine's Day, you've got anything patriotic. You can use that, you know, put a scarf with it or whatever, dress it up, add more colors. You've got Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I just think it, it can be applied to a lot of different holidays. So that red sweaters sell well for me. And as far as a costume piece, I've got a couple of coats that are military style with the buttons on the front, the double breasted gold buttons. And I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking that's, that's a great costume or cosplay piece or theater or drama or whatever, because it just, it has that look. So when you think, what else could this be used for? Red mm-hmm. is versatile and it can be used for a lot of different things. Yeah. I can't wait to get that listed. 
Okay, well, that's a perfect segue to say we are at the end of the podcast <laughs> because you have to get your stuff listed before your kids come home. <laughs> yes, I till twelve. <laughs> okay, so you have you have an hour left. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy morning to talk and. Oh, um, you. I know this will be helpful for a lot of sellers. So we will see you on the Facebook group posting your finds and you're going to be in that $100 thread more and more often. I know I can tell. I'm trying. That's <laughs> the only reason why I'm on Facebook is Mondays and Fridays. I swear. I don't go on Facebook except Monday and Friday. <laughs> wow. You are very disciplined. Good for you. <laughs> okay. Thank thanks you a lot, Sarah. Have a good day. You too. So now I'm inspired to go look for all the things that Sarah talked about that I didn't know about. <laughs> I love doing these eBay chats because I always learn so much from other sellers out there. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Please share it with your friends who are eBay sellers or just thinking about getting into eBay because this can help them become successful too. Okay, everybody, have a profitable and productive and fun day on eBay. I will talk to you next week. Bye.